sing it with me now. All right. Good morning, Victory Point. Yeah, keep it going. I love it. My name's Matt, and I'm the pastor here. And guess what we're going to talk about this morning? Frogs. Frogs. <laughs> Bob, that's, that's a good guess. But we're talking about joy. We're talking about joy. And uh, I, I promise we won't do a walk-up song every time I come up here, but having a little fun in this series with a few walk-up songs. Do you guys, uh, that song was called Joy to the World. Do you know who sings that song? Three Dog Night. Didn't bands have cool names like back in the 70s? Now they're just so ordinary, they just use their name as the band name, like Little Nas X or, you know, things like that. I like that horse song that that guy sings, but um, cool, cool bands, cool songs, speaking about joy. Now, a, a funny story about that particular song and partially why I chose it is when I was a senior in high school, so 1988... I was in choir, actually the, the swing choir at McBain Rural Agricultural School, and uh, the swing choir was called Highlighters, and we would always put on a spring show, and we sang that song. We, we sang that song as, as one of our numbers, and we like choreographed it and things like that. We changed the words a little bit, because it talks about a bullfrog named Jeremiah, but he doesn't speak but he has wine, and, he, and so we changed the words. Instead of talking about wine, like we always had a mighty fine time instead of talking about wine because we're high school students, so we don't want to sing a song about drinking wine and things like that. But, but yeah, I, I, I was in choir, if you can believe it. Um, actually, to go along with that, like the year after I graduated high school, that next summer, I was actually in a band. I was in a band as both a vocalist and a trumpet player. It was called Joy Unlimited. I found a picture last night in there. That's me on the left, the very far left, uh, as like an 18-year-old kid. And I was a vocalist in this band called Joy Unlimited. So joy, right? Joy Unlimited. And uh, we had great outfits. And we would travel around to churches Every, every Sunday, and we would do like a, a concert, or we'd go to a camp and do a concert, and uh, we'd share our faith. It was really a, a formative summer for me as a vocalist and a trumpet player in Joy Unlimited. So I feel like I, I'm really qualified to speak about joy this morning because I was in a band, and I was in a band, I was in a band called Joy Unlimited. So, so this morning, we continue our series called Practicing His Presence, and uh, before we kind of dive into it, I just got to, like, is Taylor Fox in the house? Is he here this morning? No, he's not here. I just wanted to give a shout out to him, and maybe he'll listen to this. Uh, maybe they're having their baby, although I think it's a little early, but um, like he, he, he ran the, the Riverbank 25K a week ago yesterday, uh, his first ever 25K, it was 15.5 miles, and he ran it like in a seven-minute, 29-second pace. He, he's like the flash. He's just, he's flying down the course. And so I just wanted to uh, just, a, just do a shout-out to Taylor for such a great accomplishment. He's not the only one that ran that long race, 15.5 miles. I mentioned last, two weeks ago, like, Lon, you ran that, and you're here today. And so wait, Lon, is, he's run that many times. Like, he's a veteran, an old pro at running distances. Bruce, Bruce was up here playing guitar. He ran that race for the very first time, and his, his wife, Andrea, ran it, and we had some 10Kers, like, very fit congregation, like, just a very athletic, very fit congregation, but I want to draw attention to, to one particular person this morning um, who did something I think is, is pretty amazing, 
Do you guys know who that is on the left right there? Mandy Bender. She's sitting right back there at the back table, and I got her permission to to share this this morning. But Mandy and her friend Kelly uh, participated in an event called the Tough Ruck. The Tough Ruck. And they participated in this event. I think it was on April 14. Is that right, Mandy? Right? And, And what they did is they... They walked slash ran a marathon route with like a 35, 40 pound backpack on their backs. Uh, It was quite a feat and um, took quite a bit of preparation. And they did that like to honor um, veterans and and those who who can't do that, who sort of lost their lives and they raised money, you know, um, for those who lost, lost their lives, servicemen and women. And it was a really, really powerful thing. Like, 26.2 26.2 miles with a 35, 40 pound backpack on, walking and sometimes running. And uh, I, 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 we, as we watched this kind of unfold, like Mandy began training seven months. She began training seven months before this event. And, and obviously, like, um, th- th- we're talking like in the middle of the winter. We're talking about like, uh, like after it snows all night, like getting up and, and you know, walking 12 miles with a backpack. Or, or, so Mandy and Kelly, um, they, they kind of created this training plan starting seven months before the event and just slowly increase distance, slowly increase weight so that on April 14, they can walk a whole marathon route with these heavy backpacks on. And I just want to draw attention to that because I think it's pretty cool and amazing and awesome. Um, but like, whether we're talking about Taylor or Bruce or Lon or Mandy or whoever, all of these people trained. All of them, um, at least I'm believing they have, they, they, all, they all trained for these events. Like they, they didn't just wake up one day like, oh, I'm going to walk 26 miles with a heavy pack on. You know, they, they, they trained. They put intentional effort into um, the, either the race or the event. And now it, it's a principle that we get. It's a principle that we get. Um, you get out of things what you put into things. And and I think we get that sort of in the physical realm. But I wonder sometimes, why don't we think that applies to to our spiritual growth, to our spiritual lives? Spiritual growth doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen all by itself. I mean, yes, salvation is a gift. It's grace and it's received through faith. But believing in God is just the beginning of a relationship in which God desires us to grow closer to him and growing in God, learning to tap in like who we are and who is in us, it takes intentionality and it takes effort. I I love uh, this phrase by Dallas Willard. There's one more picture of of Mandy and Kelly at the finish line. But um, Dallas Willard, he says this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. And in this series, um, Practicing His Presence, uh, we're, we're using that, that parable that you can find in all four Gospels, um, where, where Jesus talks about a farmer who went out to, to sow seed. And, and, and he talks about the four different soils, and how when the seed fell on the good soil, it produced a, a harvest and a crop like a hundred times fold. And we're just acknowledging that, that good soil doesn't just happen all by itself. Good soil takes effort, it takes intentionality, it takes removing the rocks and burning the thorns and and pulling the weeds and fertilizing. Um, But but if we want to have good heart soil, and if we want to receive from God and produce fruit for God, there's an effort we need to put into this in partnership with God. And there's a disciplined life we need to live. 
And, and so we're, in this series, we're just kind of looking at some spiritual disciplines, um, the practice of spiritual disciplines. And what we mean by spiritual discipline, borrowing this from John Ortberg, a spiritual discipline is any activity that can help me gain power to live life as Jesus taught and modeled it. And what we would add to that is it's something that's practiced regularly, something that becomes almost a predictable pattern, if you will. And, and so far in this series, we've talked about practicing scriptures, practicing reading scriptures. And then we talked about practicing giving. And then last week, Brendan did a great job talking about practicing lament um, in the midst of suffering. And today, I want to talk about the practice of celebration or the practice of choosing joy. So let me pray and we'll dive right in. Father, we got a lot of ground to cover and I'm totally excited about the, the, the joy that, that you have for us this morning. I, I pray that as we spend a few minutes um, looking at your word, that, that you would just fill us up to overflowing with the joy of the Lord. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Lord, we are listening and we want to receive from you this morning. Our, may may, may the, the word of God fall on good heart soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me ask you a question, just to kind of get the reflection going. Would you say you're a joyful person? Like overall, like uh, are, are you a person of joy? Like if, if you were to ask the people you live with and the people you work with and go to school with, would they give the same answer that you think you gave about yourself? I mean, are, are you a person of joy? I mean, I looked up joy in the dictionary, and uh, it says joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Words like delight, jubilation, triumph, exuberance, bliss. And here's what I just want to suggest to us this morning. Joy is a big deal. Joy is a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal in the Bible. There's over 200 verses that talk about joy in the scriptures. And I think it's very appropriate that we talk about joy on a day that we baptize and dedicate children this morning. Because here's the truth. Children have a lot to teach us about joy. We can learn a lot about what it means to be joyful by hanging around children. Um, th- this book, I-, I referenced it earlier, The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. I just want to read the beginning of one chapter in here. And uh, I got to believe this, th- what I'm about to read is um, something that gets repeated maybe in your households. Those of you whose children were up front this morning and we baptized and dedicated, I bet you can relate to this. Those of you that have children of any age can remember these kind of moments. This is an experience that happens, I think, every day all over the world. He, he's writing, uh, here's what he says. He said, some time ago, I was giving a bath to our three children. I had a custom of bathing them together, more to save time than anything else. I knew that eventually I'd have to stop the group bathing, but for the time being, it seemed efficient. Johnny was still in the tub. Laura was out and safely in her pajamas, and I was trying to get Mallory dried off. Mallory was out of the water, but was doing what has come to be known in our family as the D-Da-Day dance. This consists of her running around and around in circles, singing over and over again, D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day. It's a relatively simple dance expressing great joy. When she is too happy to hold it in any longer, when words are inadequate to give voice to her euphoria, she has to dance to release her joy. So she does the D-Da-Day dance. On this particular occasion, I was irritated. Mallory, hurry, I prodded. So she did. She began running in circles faster and faster and chanting, D-Da-Day, D-Da-Day, more rapidly. 
No, Mallory, that's not what I mean. Stop with the Dida Day stuff and get over here so I can dry you off. Hurry. Then she asked a profound question. Why? I had no answer. I had nowhere to go, nothing to do, no meeting to attend, no sermon to write. I was just so used to hurrying, so preoccupied with my own little agenda, so trapped in this rut of moving from one task to another, that here was life. Here was joy. Here was an an invitation to the dance right in front of me. And I was missing it. So I got up, and Mallory and I did the Dida Day dance together. She said I was pretty good at it too for a man my age. We adults have much to learn, or maybe the better word is to to recapture or to remember from children. I wonder if that's why Jesus says things like this. You've heard this. Then he said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. John Ortberg, later on in that chapter, he, he says this, he says, For we, you know, we adults, we've sinned and grown old. But our father is younger than we are. And he goes into this compare and contrast story of of the creation story. And how when you really read it with spiritual eyes, you catch the joy of God the Father speaking things into creation. And like, oh, that's good. That's good. And he's almost imagining like God like doing the Dida Day dance. Like after every day of creation. And, and the next day he says to the son, like, do it again. Like, come up again. You know, and, and just, the, just try to imagine the joy of the Father in, in his work. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of, of, of this passage in, in Psalms. Psalm 65, 8, it says that the whole earth is filled with awe at God's wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Joy is woven into the fabric of creation. Our God is a joyful God. He's a joyful God. It's His nature. God is joy. I don't think joy is just a character trait of God's. Nor do I believe it's just like part of his personality. It, it's who he is. It, it's, his, it's his nature. It's God's nature. God is joy. And joy is at the heart of God's plan for us as human beings. I think we often don't think about that. We, 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 we don't consider or maybe we neglect or we underestimate God's capacity for joy. The joy, I mean, these children that were up here and the joy it was, even when like you reach out for one and she backs away, like, like just the fun and the joy of children, the joy of even the happiest child. I, I think that, that, that's a gift that God gives us and it comes from God, but I don't even think it begins to compare to the joy that resides in God himself. God is a God of joy. God is joy. C.S. Lewis, in thinking about that, said this, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. And joy is at the heart of God. And and, and if joy is the serious business of heaven, and Jesus taught his disciples then and now to pray and to practice that, that we make things on earth like they are in heaven, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth, 
as it is in heaven. And if joy is the serious business of heaven, and if joy is who God is, it's his nature, then joy should be serious business on earth. Joy should be a central part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, he's talking to his disciples and and he's praying for his disciples and he's instructing his disciples right before he's about to be arrested and beaten and crucified and resurrected. He said, I've told you like this. I've told you this, that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. But what is this that he's talking about? He said, I've told you this. But if you just back up a little bit before that, that particular verse, Jesus, God's talking about the love of God. He says, here's what I want you to know. The Father loves me and I love you. The Father loves me and I love you. That's what this is. I've told you that so that my joy now might be in you and your joy might be complete. Whose joy in who? Did, did you catch what Jesus is saying? He's talking about his joy in us. Jesus in you is what completes our joy, is what gives us the capability of joy, is Christ in us. Jesus is the joy source. He's the source of joy. Jesus is saying, I've said all these things to you, that the Father loves me and I love you, and I've taught you these things, and I've been with you, and I've modeled to you how to live. I've shown you what life can be about, and I've done all this for one simple reason. I want my joy to be in you, and I want your joy to be complete. I want your joy to be filled to the top. Another thing about joy, I'm just giving us a little cross-reference of some of these 200 scriptures. Another thing about joy, don't forget, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. When Paul kind of lists off the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, he says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it's second in the list. I don't know if it's, a, if it's an order of, of importance or not. I mean, love's first, but joy's second. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Meaning, if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have joy in us. We have joy capacity in us. Jesus has given us his joy via the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' joy is indeed now in us if you have Christ in you. You have the joy of Jesus and the joy of the Father in you. you have, we have joy capacity in us. Every one of us should be able to answer the question, are you a joyful person? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, because I have joy in me. I have the Holy Spirit in me. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And I, I think spiritual growth is simply learning to tap into that Holy Spirit in us, learning to, to unleash that fruit of the Spirit It's in us, to access it, to when we do, when we practice joy, we grow in Christ. Just a couple other things. I want to tell a few stories after that. Another thing about joy. I'm just giving you just a, a, a quick summary overview of joy. Remember this too about joy. Joy transcends our circumstances. Joy is not directly connected to what's currently happening in our lives. Joy transcends our circumstances. Remember what James said at the beginning of of his letter? He says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Here's what we just, we need to get this and we need to remember this, especially when we're going through trials. Joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is bigger and more powerful than happiness. Joy isn't connected to our circumstances. Joy isn't connected to what's happening around us and in our lives. I mean, think about this. Let me ask you a question. When, notice he doesn't say if, he doesn't say if, you know, you face trials. He says when, whenever. When you face trials, do you consider it pure joy? When, when, when stuff's hitting the fan and stuff's hard, like, do you consider it pure joy? I mean, we don't in our feelings probably, but, but the Spirit allows us to, to even in those circumstances, to, to grab hold of joy and to experience joy. Because James says we should consider it joy, even though it doesn't feel like it. Because joy is more than a feeling, it's a fruit. And scripture says that, I mean, I, I think of that scripture when Jesus says, or talks about Jesus, like, who for the joy before him endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Joy is possible even in the midst of trials and challenges. The, the joy of trials, of whatever kind of trial you're going through, is that going through them produces more of Jesus' life in us. It, it, it produces perseverance, and that over time, that perseverance leads to maturity where we lack for nothing. So I think, you know, the question is what do we desire more? Do we desire life the way we want it to be? Or do we desire to be more mature in Christ? Because often the road to maturity in Christ leads through the valley. Joy is not about what happens to you, but what about Jesus is doing in you and through you, even in the midst of trials and challenges. Then there's uh, this one, Nehemiah. Let me... I want to kind of center in on this one and then one more to kind of close out. Nehemiah, I don't, I don't know if you remember the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, but I just want to give a, a specific context for this verse that we're going to look at. Um, God's joy strengthens us. You, you've heard the end of this verse before. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This, is, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. My guess is most of us has, have heard that phrase before. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That comes from Nehemiah. And it comes from this moment in, in the life of Israel where um, in this particular chapter, uh, remember Nehemiah is like rebuilding the wall, but they've gathered all the people in, in kind of the courtyard area by the gate. And they've, they've found this, they have the scriptures. And Ezra the priest gets up on this platform and he reads the scriptures, it says, from morning till midday. He, he's reading the word of God, the scriptures, the, the law of Moses. The, he, he's reading the scriptures from morning till midday. And everybody's gathered around. And, it, and the reading of the scriptures creates multiple responses. Um, it, it inspires them to, to bless the Lord and to worship and praise. But the reading of the word also brings like, some conviction. And, and they begin weeping. And they begin crying. And, and, and they begin mourning. And, and Nehemiah gets up. And, and he gets everyone's attention. And he says this. He said, no, 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 no. This is not a day for weeping. This is not a day for mourning and for crying. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. And send some to those who have nothing. Because I want to remind everyone. This, is day, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. 
For the joy of the Lord is your strength. This past Wednesday, Earl Tiemann, who I work with, he's our managing pastor, and I went to visit Arlene Barman. Arlene Barman, uh, for those of you who are guests here this morning, she's probably like one of the, I don't know, top two or three oldest people at Victory Point and uh, like help, help begin this church. And um, Arlene is a widow and uh, she's at Appledorn. And just like a week or so ago, um, she got moved from the, the room she was in to, to more of the, the, the building where you, you kind of get, you can't get out, you know, because dealing with some dementia issues and things like that was just, it was the safer place for her to be, um, which was really hard on Arlene. And matter of fact, uh, if you read the E! News, you probably read that uh, she's actually this Friday is going to move to Grand Rapids. And she's going to be closer to where her son lives in a facility over there which means we won't see Arlene anymore. We've been picking her up and bringing her, her every Sunday, but uh, we won't be doing that anymore. And, and, and so it's a, it's, it's, it's a sad day. So uh, Earl and I went to visit Arlene, and it, it, was, it was emotional. Um, th- there was a lot of tears and, and confusion. Um, and also, I think, an awareness for her that uh, she won't be coming back here anymore and how hard that is on her. And... and by the way, like if anybody, like you're welcome to go visit her between now and Friday if you have the time or would like to. I'm sure like uh, she would love that. Um, but, but we were, you know, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of tears, a lot of tissues. We had to go find more tissues. And, um, and then we read this verse. And then we read this verse. And like just like in, in, in this moment in, in the book of Nehemiah, the, the people are crying and the people are grieving. And Nehemiah recenters them. And like, yeah, I know it feels sad right now, but let me offer you some strength. And it doesn't even come from you. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will be your strength, Arlene. You don't have to have the strength in and of yourself. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. No need to cry. The joy of the Lord goes with you. The joy of the Lord, like remember in in Zephaniah where it says like the Lord dances over you? Like God's doing a Dida day dance over you, Arlene. He's doing a Dida day dance. The joy of the Lord will go with you wherever you go. This is not a day for mourning. This is a day for celebration. And, and after we did that, and, and we kind of hopefully helped recenter some perspective, uh, we were getting ready to leave, and she walked out with us, and we walk around the corner, and there's a piano. There's like an electric piano sitting there. And without saying anything or any request, she just sat down, and she started playing. And I just backed up, and I captured it, just like a minute of it, and um, just want to let you hear that. Yeah. 
I wish I'd kept videotaping because then she turned around and looked at me and there was this huge smile on her face. But I didn't want her to see me taping her. So like I was trying to be discreet. But now I wish I'd captured that because here's what's true about Arlene. The joy, which is a fruit of the Spirit, is in her no matter what. Whatever the circumstances, whatever she's aware of or not or remembers or not, the joy of the Lord is in her and is her strength. And when she sits down to piano, nothing else matters because the joy of the Lord manifests itself through worship. And, and, and it was just like, it was just this really, really cool moment. And uh, once she moves, we will publish her address so you can send her cards and you can even go visit her if you want in Grand Rapids. But I, I want to close with one last story um, and one last verse. Joy isn't optional. In Philippians, Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Here's the deal. Joy is a command. God through Paul, he isn't throwing a suggestion out here to us. He's he's not throwing like, well, if you feel like it, you know, you could be joyful. He's commanding us. Joy is in the Bible's non-optional category. Joy is God's expectation for the Christian. Now think about this. When God gives a command whether it be don't eat from that tree or love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength and your mind, love your neighbor as yourself, or go and make disciples. When God gives a command and we don't do it, what is that called? Sin. It's called sin or disobedience. God gives us command through the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4. It says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When we live lives that aren't rejoicing, that aren't joy-filled, we're disobeying God, we're, we're sinning. You know, I, I wonder, like, what if we started calling this sin out just like we do other sins in people's lives, like in our own lives, like the sin of joylessness? We should be the most joyful people on the planet because of who's in us. We, we should be the, the, like, we should just overflow with joy. Now, The command is rejoice. So every day we have a choice to make. Are we going to obey that command or not? We need to choose joy. We need to choose joy. That's why Reuben should be up here sharing this message because he chose joy as his wife. He, you know, that was a dad joke, right? But that was pretty good. Like I, I've been thinking about that one all week. But I just want to close. I, just, I told Tori I had a good dad joke today. I'll find out later if it was really good or not. Um, I want to close with this. And uh, as I get to the end of this band, why don't you sort of just kind of make your way up here. Um, but I, I have a daughter. A lot of you guys know of her. Um, but I know there's a lot of guests here this morning. I, I have a daughter who just turned 19 two weeks ago. And uh, she's been away from our home since September on a gap year mission trip through Adventures in Mission. It's called the World Race Gap Year. Went to four different countries. And uh, back in October, she, she, she writes a blog, you know, just some overflow. She wrote a blog called Choosing Joy. I thought, that, that'd be great. I'm going to read a little bit of that this morning just to kind of close us out. And as I read it, I'm like, well, I'm just going to read the whole thing because she says it way better than I ever could. So JC says this on October 28, 2018, while she was in Ecuador. I'm going to put a picture up there too said, Thursday marks 50 days in Ecuador, and I've, if I've learned anything in that time, it's the importance of choosing joy. Every circumstance, no matter how chaotic, hard, or draining, is made a million times more valuable when you choose to see the joy in it. 
And once you start looking for the joy in every moment, it's hard to miss it going forward. Last week, my entire squad, which would be about like 40 people, worked at one ministry site. Usually each team has their own ministry they work with each day. But that week, we were all together. We stayed at a ministry called Dunamis, an organization that works with girls, works with girls who've been rescued from sex trafficking. Our job all week was to move bricks to help in the building of a wall surrounding the property. Now, you might think that standing in an assembly line, walking up and down a hill and moving bricks would be a hard situation to find joy in, but you're wrong. All it takes is one person to choose joyfulness and the whole group's attitude changes. Maybe someone decides to start a giant game of telephone down the assembly line and soon everyone laughs when the silly phrase is sent by walkie-talkie back up to the top. Maybe someone decides to start naming every brick that goes by and soon everyone's chanting, good old Greg, Natasha, or Kayla with a K while they pass the bricks. Maybe someone decides to blast some music and soon everyone's singing along. Maybe someone decides to pick a cow that represents themselves from the field up the hill and soon everyone's watching to see what their spirit cow is doing each day. Maybe someone decides to lay in a pile of gravel and make a snow angel and soon we're pretending the cloud covering us is snow. Maybe someone decides to try scooting down the hill on their butt with a brick in their lap and soon we're laughing harder than we've ever laughed before at a pair of pants ripped to shreds. Maybe someone decides to lay back on a rock pile and close their eyes to squint at the sun and soon we're pretending we're at the beach. Maybe two people decide to sit on a brick in the rain while everyone else goes inside and soon we're laughing and learning so much more about each other than we ever knew before. Maybe someone decides to stop and look over the hills. Soon we're all awestruck at the beauty our Lord has created. There's something joyful to be found in every moment. You just have to choose to look for it. I'm not saying it's always easy. It can be hard to look for joy. There were times last week when it was really difficult to choose joy, especially when it seemed like the thousands of bricks we were moving wasn't amounting to anything. Sometimes it felt like I couldn't see the purpose behind what we were doing. I couldn't see the bigger picture. Then Boris, one of our founders of Dunamis, told me something. He said that sometimes when we can't see the bigger picture, it's because we aren't meant to see the bigger picture that God put us here to do this little part in helping dunamis, that God puts each of us on this earth to help us with just a little part of his story, even when we can't see what it will amount to. A lot of times we think that to choose joy, we have to look for the bigger picture of what we're doing. But that's not always true. Sometimes we just need to be okay with the fact that the point is not to see the bigger picture. The point is to give all we have right now in this moment. And if you decide on doing that, Oftentimes, God will end up revealing a bigger part of his plan anyway. After we'd been working for a few days, moving bricks, I got the chance to spend a morning with the girls who are in the Dunamis program right now. God chose this moment to reveal some of the bigger picture. When the girls were at Dunamis, they had the chance to be kids again. They were able to feel safe again and play and laugh like any 13 or 14 or 15-year-old should. We played soccer and we laughed because I'm really bad at it. We talked in Spanish and laughed because I pronounced things wrong. We talked about our favorite things and we sat in the grass and we looked at the flowers. We drew pictures and we wrote notes to each other. These girls have every reason not to be joyful after what they've been through, yet they still choose it. Their smiles and laughter showed me how important something as little as moving some bricks could be. The wall those bricks will build protect these girls and makes them feel safe. So she closes by saying, so I I choose joy. 
I chose joy. I laughed when we came inside, covered head to toe in black dust. I embraced the chaos of 40 girls sleeping in one room, and I smile when it started raining. I chose to think of 50 people to two bathrooms as a hilarious adventure. I cracked up when my friends got headbutted by the sheep. I spent my days talking about my favorite places back home and hearing about other favorite places, all the while making imaginary plans for our futures and talking about our dreams. And let me tell you, choosing joy made moving bricks go a hundred times faster. And choosing to understand that moving bricks was building God's kingdom made me want to work harder. And choosing joy is something I want to choose for the rest of my life. Choose joy. Every day. Yeah, thanks, Vern. Every day you have the opportunity to choose joy, to practice celebration. It's at the heart of God. And when you do that, you reflect God's nature to everyone around you. Why don't you stand? I want you to go back to that original question. Are you a joyful person? If not, you can be. God wants to help you with that. Find someone full of joy and ask them to mentor you. Go hang around children. Volunteer in the kids' zone. Be a mentor. Be around kids. Do the Dida Day dance whenever you can. This is the day the Lord has made. Every day is the day the Lord has made. Choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. May it be so. Let's sing this song.